Thanks for tuning in to the Meadowview Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a church who seeks to grow in Christ, gather in community, and go in obedience to the Great Commission. Good morning, church. It's so good to sing praises to him, isn't it? All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn me to Acts chapter 1. We start a new book today, so as you turn in there, maybe there's a black hardback ESV somewhere near you in the pew. Uh, Acts is written by Luke. We know that Luke wrote two accounts. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he follows that up with the account of Acts. Acts covers the first 30 years of the early church, and uh, he writes to a man by the name of Theophilus. And Theophilus, uh, his name means lover of God. And so uh, maybe this was someone who actually hired him to uh, do the research. Maybe he was a Roman official. We don't know. There's a lot of speculations there. But he writes to him, and what Luke does is he does eyewitness accounts of Acts, but he also uh, goes back and does research about all the ministries that Jesus did. And so he gives a very detailed account as someone who was very educated at his time. He was a physician, and he followed around the Apostle Paul and writes down all of these things. And so even historians say that based off of what Luke writes, that he is one of the most accurate historians of his time. And so as we get into Luke, we see that he writes to to Theophilus, but we read it also as lovers of God. And so we read it to understand what happened, what took place as the church was birthed. And so uh, the book of Acts is, I want you to know, a historical book. It's a historical narrative, so as we read it, we, we don't need to get caught up in, in certain things. Uh, they're just historical accounts of what took place. So, for instance, Acts chapter 5, 15, so that they were even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on the cots and the mats. And as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them and heal them. So uh, we're not going to start a shadow ministry as we get to that part. You know, we're not going to take people out in the streets and walk by them with our shadows, Acts 19, 12, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. So we're not going to start a handkerchief ministry uh, here. Um, that's, number one, because of COVID. That would be, that would be bad. Uh, number two, uh, if you've bought a handkerchief, uh, I'm sorry, that's, that's probably not what you needed to do. Um, but we're going to look at this as a historical account, but we're also going to realize that there's practical things that take place in the early church that sometimes the church, and especially in times like we're in right now, it kind of loses its way. There's a lot of things that get in the way and kind of make the road a little bumpy, and sometimes you just have to go back to the beginning and say, okay, let's retrace our steps as the church that Christ sends out. And see what he says. So there are some practical things. We, we see how believers are to function in a community of faith, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We see how believers function in a culture that is counter the claims of Christianity. That might be something we need to pay attention to. Uh, we see how believers function in compliance to the Great Commission. And how the first 30 years of the church just exploded because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's theology. It's Theological. There's things that we're going to learn as we go through the book of Acts that are going to teach us about missiology. It's going to teach us about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and every time that we read about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, it is in congruence to what the person and the work of the Holy Spirit did even through the life of Jesus Christ. And it's carried on in the lives of the apostles because it is the work of Jesus that is being done. 
So, I say all of that to give you time to turn to Acts chapter 1 as we look at verses 1 through 11. And uh, let me pray for us as we jump in. Father, we thank you for this word. It is a light to our path. It is, it is life or death. Father, I pray that us as believers, as lovers of God, would hold fast to it. God, that you would place it and you would write it on our hearts so that we can't drift from it. Father, that you would do a saving work in us that only is done by your grace and your mercy. And God, as we read this morning about your words, I pray, Father, that you instill in us a desire for the Holy Spirit to consume us, to lead us, to guide us for your ministry. God, awaken your church. Awaken your church. In Christ's name, amen. Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when, I was taken, when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when they had come together, they asked the Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is God's word. I worked at a church, uh, not this one, but another church, and the pastor there was always asked, hey, what is the mission statement of this church? And he would always say, we want to be an Acts 1-8 church. And that was all he would say, we want to be an Acts 1-8 church. And so people would be like, oh, what is that? You know, and they'd get their Bibles out, and he, they'd ask him again, hey, what's, what's the mission of this church? I want to be an Acts 1-8 church. As we've read these first 11 verses, I want to, I want to instill in you this this idea that the church defined by Acts, the Christian church, is this, is a missional gathering of believing members that respond obediently to Jesus' commission, act on behalf of Jesus to further his ministry by word and deed, prioritize the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and are dependent upon the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit to accomplish this purpose. I know that's very wordy. Let me say it this way. In 2021, Medivue Baptist Church seeks to be a missional gathering of believing members that respond obediently to Jesus' commission, act on behalf of Jesus to further his ministry by word and deed, prioritize the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and are dependent upon the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit to accomplish his 
purpose. I mean, that's a mission statement. We want to be a church that's about proclaiming the gospel. We want to be about a, we want to be a church that's a gathering body of believers. And when I say that, I know that's difficult right now because of all the different uh, green tape, right? Like the green tape in the room, right? There's a lot of things hindering the gathering of the body of believers. And I know that when we talk about membership, that sometimes we think about Costco, right? Oh, I love being a member of Costco. I'm not personally a member of Costco. I'm using this example because I know some of you are members of Costco, right? It's just too far to drive for me. So some of us are like, wow, I love being a member of Costco. I get such benefits from being a member of Costco. And so when we think of membership, we think about the benefits of being a member. But in God's word, and this is what Jonas, our elder, said two weeks ago, when it talks about being a member in Scripture, it's talking about being a body member. It's a member of the body, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So, church membership is important. And the reason it's important is because we want to be a gathered body of believing members that can be used to further the kingdom of God, the mission of God, the ministry of God, through the Great Commission, through the proclamation of His Word, in both word and deed, living out what He's called us to be as the early church was, called out to wait on the Holy Spirit that would empower them. It doesn't change today. So in 2021, let me say it like this. Many of you Baptist Church seeks to be a missional gathering of believing members that respond obediently to Jesus' commission. Act on behalf of Jesus to further his ministry in both word and deed, prioritize the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and are dependent. We can't miss this. This is what we're going to talk about this morning. Upon the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit to accomplish this purpose. First thing I want you to see is the church is centered on the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, out of the first uh, 10 or 11 verses here, Jesus is mentioned in every single verse. It, he's the point of the passage. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. All that he began to do and teach. You know what, what happens, what's interesting is, is we tend to love what Jesus did. We don't really care for all the things he said. All that he began to do and teach. Well, what was Jesus' ministry? I mean, because I love the fact that he fed 5,000, don't you? Everyone loves that story. Oh, we love that he can heal the sick. We love that, you know, some of us from different denominations love that he turned water into wine, right? Come on, that was funny. <laughs> Awkward laugh in Baptist church, right? Let me get back to Scripture. So, we love the things that Jesus did. We don't always love the things he said. Well, what was he saying? Mark's gospel, as we went through that last year. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. 
Jesus began his ministry by saying, repent and believe the gospel. He said in verse 38 of Mark chapter 1, and he said to them, let us go to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Jesus says the reason I started my ministry is to preach the gospel, to proclaim himself as the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. It's exclusive atonement is what Jesus preached. Jesus was teaching a message that people need to hear. And as Luke gets into the gospel, out of the gospel of Luke and into Acts, he's saying, look, let me tell you all that Jesus did and said and how it continues in the life of the church. We're called to be a part of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus came to preach himself. He came both as a messenger and the message. Christianity is centered on the person and work of Jesus Christ. And if it ever gets centered on anything else, it will crumble. The church is centered on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This word atonement, it means to be at one with. It's the idea of reconciliation, that Jesus came because we were lost, sinful, hopeless individuals that had no way of making up for the sin in our life, and there had to be a sacrifice of all sacrifices to take away the sins of the world, and that is why he came. He preached himself before he accomplished that work on the cross. This was the message that Luke gives in detail in the Gospel of Luke, and then it carries on into Acts. You see, in the Old Testament, they would make sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, but the sacrifice never had lasting effects. But then Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews chapter 10, 12 through 14. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Get that verse. His work is complete. His atoning work of the cross made perfect all of those who are being sanctified. This is, this is perfect, exclusive atonement. God has finished it. It is finished. It is done. He's made perfect those who are being sanctified. We don't realize that he's made us perfect, that we are clothed in his righteousness until the day that we reach glory because we're in this process of sanctification where we see that we struggle in our faith. Am I right? This is the work of Christ, and this is what the church proclaims, and this is what it stands on. He says in John chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus is on the cross, and he said when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The work on the cross was complete. You have been saved by grace, through faith. It is a gift of God. It is the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf that you could not do for yourself. It is finished, and you have been made perfect even though you were in the process of sanctification. Man, that's good news. That's the gospel, and that's why we preach it. It's good news. The ministry of Jesus was finished on the cross, but I want you to understand this as we get into the book of Acts. It is still functioning in his church. The work of Christ was finished on the cross, but is still carried on and functioning in the acts of the church. 
the Acts of the Apostles. John MacArthur says it this way, when it came to redemption, it was done, but when it came to evangelization, it had only begun. He's pretty smart. He's smarter than I am. Verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, what will, what will, you, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. The ministry of Jesus is less about and less focused on the future realities of his return and is more focused on the present responsibilities of his ministry. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but I've been in a lot of conversations over the last week, I don't know, maybe because certain things happened this week, about, oh, he's coming back. He's coming back soon. Anybody had any, any of these conversations? Oh, the world, it's, it's going in a handbasket somewhere, right? Like it's, <laughs> sorry. So, I mean, it's, what's the world doing right now? Oh, Jesus, he's going to come back. He's going to come back. Why are you standing there looking? Why are you looking up in the clouds when there's a responsibility that's been given to the church? We're called. We're called to be his witnesses. And as we see the day approaching, we're not so focused on the future realities of his return, but we're focused on the present responsibilities that he's given us by the power of his Holy Spirit. This is the early church. Let me read to you what Matthew's account says in verse 20, uh, chapter 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, because he will come, amen, all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, all the nations. And he will separate people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and for his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you, you did not visit me. Then they will, they will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, 
you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. I, I wanted to take you back to that section in Matthew because there is a responsibility on the church to continue the ministry that Jesus Christ began when he was here in the flesh. That's why Luke says, I told you all that he did and said. And now the church, you're going to wait on the empowering presence of the Spirit, and you're going to be my witnesses to carry on the ministry of Jesus Christ. Look, he is coming back, and there's going to be a day when he returns from the clouds just as he left. That's what Acts says. And we're not to be sitting here with our hands in our pockets just looking, waiting. We're to be about his ministry. We're to be about his business. That should get an amen. The church that continues the ministry of Jesus is focused on the person of Jesus and the present responsibilities that they are called to carry out on his behalf. The second thing we see, the church is consumed by the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading there, verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait on the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power. He says there, verse 6, when they had come together. They were a gathering body of believers. They were members of the body, gathered together. There was purpose in them coming together. There's purpose in us coming together as the church. And I'm going to be honest with you, church. When we gather and we open up God's word together, that can't be censored. But if we rely on simply technology, we're not in control of that. The church gathers to sing praises to God. The church gathers to open God's word together. The church gathers to understand what sanctification is until they reach glorification. The church gathers because God has called us to be his body. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed of his own authority, but you you're going to receive power. Now, if you're Pentecostal, this, this is about to get exciting, right? According to Jesus, the church is going to receive power for a purpose. You will receive power to be my witnesses. There's a purpose behind the power. The power of the Spirit is given for the purpose of Jesus' ministry and his mission. The power of the Spirit is given for per, not for personal piety and pleasure, it's given for the purpose of expanding his kingdom. R.C. Sproul said it this way, the mission of the church, the reason we exist is to bear witness to the present reign and rule of Christ, who is at the right hand of God. If we try to do it on our own power, we will fail. Now get this, the reason for the outpouring of the Spirit is not to make us feel, feel spiritual. It's not to give us a spiritual high. It is so that we can do the job that Jesus gave the church to do. 
The power of the church is not found in programs. Church, we had to take a lot of programs, a lot of things off the calendar last year. But I can tell you there's power in the Spirit, not in the programs. The power is in the body of Christ gathered together, empowered by the Spirit. It is in the presence of Jesus amongst the believers of his church who are emboldened to be his witnesses. That's where the power is. The church, the people of God, equipped with the word of God, empowered by the spirit of God, and dedicated to the son of God, accomplish the mission of God. The word power there in the Greek is this word dunamis, which is the word that we get dynamite from. You want to know why there's power and how you can tell there's power in the church? It explodes. God does something that's unexplainable. It says all throughout Acts, Acts 6, 7, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Acts 9, 31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Acts 12, 24, but the word of God increased and multiplied. You want me to tell you how you can tell if the Spirit of God is on a, on a church? They're witnesses, and it multiplies. Jesus tells his disciples that it would be better that he go away and the Spirit come. It's hard to believe that the Spirit in us is better than Jesus standing next to us, is what one pastor said. But he says that. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world will be judged. There's a reason the Holy Spirit had to come, because the Holy Spirit consumes us and convicts us and leads us and guides us in the power of Jesus Christ. So to be consumed by the Spirit means that you're, cons you're convicted of sin. To be consumed by the Spirit means you're concerned about righteousness. To be consumed with the Spirit means you're aware of God's judgment. And to be consumed with the Spirit means you're emboldened to be His witness. That's when you know that you're consumed. The church needs to be consumed by the person and the power of the Spirit, but the major problem with the church today, especially in our culture, is that it's not a gathering of believers who are consumed by the Spirit, but it's a people gathered to consume what they desire. The major problem with the church today, especially in our culture, is that it's not a gathering body of believers who are consumed by the power of the Holy Spirit, but they've gathered to consume what they desire. What can this church offer me? What can I get out of being a member? What do I, what do I get to receive? Rather than I want to I be consumed by the power of the Holy Spirit so that as I walk in here and I'm in a gathering body of believers, I am convicted of the sin that I've allowed in my life this week and I weep for it and I mourn over it. And I have other brothers and sisters who come alongside me and pray for me and lift me up because I am so convicted, I'm so concerned about about God's judgment that I can't keep my mouth shut and I'm going to be a bold witness for who Jesus Christ is because his work was finished on the cross on my behalf and is an atonement that brings me back into a right relationship with the Father. 
That's consumed by the Spirit. But if we come in here to consume, we'll just sit and we'll say things like, well, that was good. Or, hey, I've heard better. I didn't really care for the worship today. I didn't really like that song. We need to be consumed by the Spirit because that's what the early church desperately needed. And that's what we need. You see, there's a big difference between consumer Christianity and being consumed by Christ. What was the greatest need of the church of Acts? You wait here for the Spirit. What's the greatest need of our church today? It's the Spirit. I'm burdened, church. I'm burdened for the church. Yes, I'm burdened for the future of our nation, but I'm more burdened for the church that has been scattered over the last year and isn't gathered together. Are you burdened? Man, point three, let's go. The church is commissioned with the purpose and plan of being a witness for global impact. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Man of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Why are you standing around? You have received a message from Jesus that the power of the Holy Spirit is coming, and the power fulfills his purpose. The purpose is to be a witness. And here's the part that we need to realize. You can't be a witness without the power. Maybe I, maybe I haven't been a witness because I haven't been, I haven't been consumed with the power. Maybe I've been consumed with all other kinds of worries and cares, and that's why I haven't been a witness, because I'm not consumed. You see, the, if I had a lamp up here, and I set it here, and, and I was like trying to turn it on, but no light was coming on, I'd be like, man, this, this lamp has a purpose, but it, it's not fulfilling its purpose. What do I need to do? And y'all would be like, well, you need to plug it in, right? Maybe, maybe the light has gone out in the church and we're not fulfilling our function because we're not plugged into the power of the Spirit. Let your light shine so they will glorify your Father. Let your light shine, church. You see, it's really difficult, though, to experience the power of the Spirit when we're not plugged into the Spirit, but rather we're plugged into fulfilling the passions of our flesh. And a lot of times the church is more concerned with fulfilling the passions of their flesh than they are with being consumed with the Spirit. This is what Peter would say in 1 Peter 2, 11. 
Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of your flesh, which wage war against your soul. Paul would say in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. A lot of us want to be witnesses for his kingdom. And we just can't figure out how to do it. And maybe the reason is, is because we're so plugged in to the things of this world that our light just isn't coming on. But maybe we need to unplug from our sinful, selfish desires and confess the sins that are in our life and repent and believe the gospel and plug into the source called the power of the Holy Spirit and say, God, I want you to use me this year as your witness. Because that's the purpose. I want to be used for your purpose. If you like power in the Holy Spirit, it's because you might be plugged into the wrong source. Where do you find your identity, church? Where do you find the power to get through your next day? Where do you find the energies to continue walking in God's word? If you're looking for power and purpose and pleasure in the things of this world rather than in the person of Christ, you'll miss out on the power. He says, but you will. This is, this is affirming language. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Church, this is affirming language. He says to those apostles that are gathered together, standing there, hey, you will you will receive power. It's not a question. You will when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power. And when you receive power, guess what's going to happen? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And he lays out the plan. So here's the plan. Start where you are. Where were they? Jerusalem. That's where they were. Start where you are. This is, this is going to be your family, your co-workers, your neighbors, the people you are around all the time. Start where you are. Be a witness empowered by the Holy Spirit. Start where you are. Share as you go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Share. As you go, make disciples. Samaria. As you get outside your main circle, you're going to be in a community that's a little bit bigger than that. And as you go, share. I need to use this. That's why, that's why we have masks, guys. I'm just going to tell you. That's why I have mine. It's, not, it's naughty. I want you to see it. Okay, so you're going to start where you are. You're going to share as you go. And you're going to serve outside your circle. Samaria. I don't have to tell you a lot about Samaria, but oh, Samaria? You want me to go to Samaria? Really? You want me to go inner city? You want me to get outside of my comfort zone? You want me to make, you want, me, you want me, I really like these groups of people 
But you want me to also go to these groups of people? Yeah. I want you to start where you are. I want you to share as you go. And I want you to serve outside your circle. And then he says this, and I want you to seek out the lost. Seek out the lost to the ends of the earth. Go. Make disciples of all nations. The thing we need to realize, whether you're watching online or you're sitting in this room, COVID has not canceled the Great Commission. I mean, it's canceled a lot of stuff. Don't get me wrong. I like to say that, don't you? Someone say something, you'd be like, cancel COVID. Let's blame everything on COVID. Cancel. Let me wipe this again. Cancel. COVID. It hasn't canceled the Great Commission. If anything, it's made the church realize we can't sit and consume any longer. We need to be consumed by the Spirit to be as witnesses in Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. We need to be empowered more than ever before. More than ever before, we need to be focused on the person of Jesus Christ. More than ever before, we need to be crying out to be empowered by the Spirit of God so we can fulfill the purpose of God by being his witnesses. That's really what the church is about. Somewhere along the way, we might have forgot it. So in 2021, Medivine Baptist Church seeks to be a missional gathering of believing members that respond obediently to Jesus' commission, act on behalf of Jesus to fulfill the ministry in both word and deed, prioritize the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and are dependent upon the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit to accomplish His Thanks for listening. It is our prayer that this message has helped you grow in your walk with Christ. Go to our website, meadowviewbaptist.com or subscribe to hear more sermons like this or to get more information about how to be involved at Meadowview Baptist.